You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. And today, this is our 100th episode recorded on Sunday, January 21st of 2024. And Jeff, we finally made it to 100. We've been talking about it for a few weeks, and we're finally here. So very excited to be joined by Jeff, my co-host. I'm Kathy Amos, and happy to have everyone uh, live in our workaholics today as well. Today, we will be breaking down your number 16 Indiana Hoosiers 74-68 win over the Purdue Boilermakers that now makes the 10th, ro- 10th win in a row over our arch rival. And it brings our record to 16-2, and our 7-1 and in the Big Ten. Um and but today we will, uh, which is very important from a number of reasons, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But of course, as well, Iowa got beat just earlier today, and so we are now back in the tie for first place with that win today with Iowa, with Ohio State just behind us a half a game. But we will start every show like we do every show, which is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Jeff, for me, it's it came late in that fourth quarter. You know, the game was kind of back and forth. Iowa, our Purdue was, you know, pulling ahead, and then we would pull ahead, and it really was what you would expect from a rivalry game. But with 150 left in the fourth quarter, Sarah Scalia was very aggressive and drives really hard to the basket and makes two makes a two-pointer, making the lead 71-64. And Sarah with her 17th point of the game. Then Mackenzie Holmes on the other end got a defensive rebound, which again, I'm sure we'll talk about later, but defensive rebounding was a little bit um, lacking today, but she got one when it really mattered in this a minute left, Sarah went down and nailed a three pointer, putting us up finally double digits, 74, 64, um, where we were really looking to finally get some separation and that sequence of play to me is what really showed our grit and our hustle from our team that we're really coming to expect. And especially with Sydney not in the game today due to an injury, we really needed everyone to collectively come together and, you know, help fill in the gaps that Sydney left when she did, um, which with her injury. And I think that play to me really exemplifies how this team worked together to do that down the stretch. Um, but our Hoosier Proud banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel today, presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, which also includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. And a huge shout out to Homefield because if you are here with us in the chat live today, we will be doing a Homefield Apparel giveaway. If you're joining us in the chat um, at the end of the show. So thank you to the Back Home Network and to Homefield Apparel for that presenting sponsor. And Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating the products for schools in their existing line. So you're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that loves great collegiate gear. You not only get great quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23 to get 15% off your entire first order. Again, that promo code is HOME23 for 15% off. The website is homefieldapparel.com. We're one for the team.
All right. So before I kick it over to Jeff on his Marlowe's musings today about the game, we did just want to update folks for um, those of you who are maybe not familiar with all of the other NCAA women happenings around the the, the league. But um, just as an interesting news, TCU, who was 14-2 and two at the beginning of the week, have now had to forfeit at least two Big 12 games this year due to a lack of healthy players. They're now 14-4. and four, And in fact, on Friday, Thursday and Friday, they had a call out to the students and um, actually did walk on tryouts for trying to fill that team. So just an interesting side bet to, to kind of keep an eye on. So um, interesting with TCU, but Jeff, let's kick it over to you and go back to our game. What kind of uh, thoughts do you have on today's win over Purdue? Um, oh, we can't hear you, Jeff. Sorry, kind of, I'm here. I'm going to go back to that TCU news a little bit because I just want to put that on the run sheet. And it's just amazing that in 2024 that you can run into such a rash of injuries. We've talked about UConn having their rash of injuries, but the fact that TCU didn't feel they had enough healthy bodies to play two Big 12 games and forfeit those. And I, I'm not sure, Kathy, they were 14-2 coming a week. They may have actually started like 14-0, and you know, or, or something similar to that. They they Or 13-1, and something like that before they had to forfeit, you know, they lost one and had to forfeit a couple um, as well. So, but yeah, they were asking, you know, they were putting the call out for, you know, like, you know, for walk-ons, you know, for tryouts. So interesting from that standpoint, uh, which is going to lead me into my Marlowe's musings. And I'm going to, I'm going to go straight to the injury here. Sydney Parrish out today. I'm sure all is all you were seeing on the, on the, uh, if you had the Peacock and was able to watch or if you were following along, maybe you listened to Austin, on the varsity network app or just, you know, falling along on a stat cast. Um, we don't know much about Sydney's injury other than she was in a boot. And even more so important me to, to, that tells me it, it happened in the last day or so. I mean, again, I'm speculating a little bit. She was also on crutches, not only in a boot, but she was using crutches to help her get around. So I thought that was an interesting thing. And, and obviously, you know, you take Sydney Parrish out of this lineup, it's going to make a big difference in how they play because you're having to plug in different people. Um, I, I really thought maybe Jules would get the start today, but they went with Lexi to kind of go with another ball handler, I think, uh, which is fine. You know, obviously Coach Moran's making that call. But, um, yeah, I was really – the pictures I saw of, of, of Sid on the bench with the boot and the, and the, and the, uh, the crutches before the game. Good thing we don't play for a week now because with the strength and conditioning the, and the physical therapy that they can get her, we may very well see her back by next week. But we also don't know the extent of the injury. We don't know if it's a sprain. We don't know if it's – you know, if she pulled something or, or you, know, you know, hopefully not. But um, so hopefully things will be much better for Sydney going forward in terms of her prognosis to play next week um, with that. But um, again, I, I just was happy that we got out of there with the win. Did we play our best? No. And, and we're going to talk about some of that when we get to the pivotal plays and noble numbers, but you went on the road in, in a you know, hostile environment against your, you know, your arch rival that you'd beaten nine times in a row before today. And now you get to 10 Hey, you just you got to get out of there with the W, and that that to me was a huge uh, a huge victory because you saw today again a little bit different competition. But Iowa goes on the road and loses to Ohio State. There are not going to be too many easy games on the road in the Big Ten. Right, absolutely. So Jeff, why don't we go ahead and get into it? Let's uh, start talking about some pivotal plays. Do you want to kick us off here? What is one on your list you really want to talk about? Well, let's talk, I just kind of talk about the whole first quarter, Kathy. You know, 29 points that they gave up defensively was probably the season high. Maybe they gave up 29 or more in a quarter to Stanford. I have to go back and look, and I didn't think to do that. 
But I, I think that was, you know, Purdue came out and they were on fire. Now we weren't challenging a lot of it and they, they got some open looks and they were on fire in the first quarter, you know, 29, 22 was not our best quarter. But if you look at where we went after that, we held them basically to 39 points after that through four, three quarters. Mm -hmm. the, def the defense, I'm sure Terry Morin is not going to give it an A grade today. But I think if you asked her what the grade's going to be for the final three quarters, I think she'd give it a B or a B plus because I think that those th those three quarters, the defense was pretty solid. Um, and so I'm going. Um, that's kind of where I'm going to go is that the from a pivotal play standpoint, the defense struggled to give them benefit of the doubt in the first quarter. After that, I thought the defense was really solid. Yeah, ab absolutely. I, I agree with you, Jeff. The the defense was, you know, kind of lacking and for sure in that first quarter. And we saw kind of lapses throughout the game. Um, but they definitely ratcheted it up after that first quarter. So I'm sure in that that um huddle between the the first quarter and the second quarter was definitely something the team was talking about. Um so for me, I'm going to go right to the very beginning of the game at 942. Sarah hit her very first shot for three. And I always like, I think we've talked about this a while for, for Sarah. If she senses, um, see that first shot go down, she tends to have a really good night. And Sarah ended up with 20 points, including six of nine from three-point land. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more in general about the team's three-point shooting. But that to me was a good sign for Sarah on the night. And, you know, she kind of disappeared a little bit, I think, on the the third quarter honest but she came back like i mentioned in my banner proud who's your proud banner moment and really came back in that fourth quarter and gave us the minutes we needed down at the end so i don't know do you have any overarching thoughts on sarah's play today hey we'll, we'll take it again on a day right. where you're missing one of your better players yep. you know you're you're missing one of your better players and and Sarah stepped up. The, the concerning part there is you mentioned, you know, she, you know, again, we're trying not to get too deep in the numbers here, but six for nine on threes. That means she was one for six on anything on, in, on shots inside the yard. So that's, you know, you want to be a little better there, but um, you're not going to complain with six for nine. Um, and, and from that standpoint, um, I'm going to go to a kind of a negative pivotal play here. Yep. Uh, um, uh, Kathy, because you got in the run sheet and I, we were talking about this in the discord a little bit or maybe quite a bit at that point with 30 <laughs> seconds to go in the first quarter, Lexi Bargesser got the first rebound of the game, not offensive, not defensive. The first rebound of the game for IU came with 30 seconds, you know, nine minutes and 30 seconds into the game. I think at one point they were down 11 0 on the rebounding and That's it right. really, and it was you know, obviously you're going to dig your way out of that. The fact, and, and, and part of that was the reason they were down seven at the quarter because they were giving up second and third shots. Yeah, absolutely. I know at that that stretch in that first quarter, I think Purdue had eight second chance rebound or excuse me, second chance points in the first quarter alone. And, you know, it wasn't like we were going up against Iowa again, who is one of the leading rebounding teams in the, the conference. We were going up against Purdue, who I believe was worse until before till this game in terms of rebounding margin. So you were, you were definitely looking at two teams that weren't great rebounding teams and we just really couldn't seem to, to really corral any rebound in, especially in that first quarter. And now it got better as the game went on. I thought their intensity um, off of the, the glass got better, but that first quarter could have really came back to bite us. I thought, and we've talked about this all year as a overarching theme for this team in terms of defensive rebounding is going to come back to bite them at some point and it really could happen this game you know you only win by six eight eight second chance turnovers in that or excuse me second chance points in that first quarter was huge so you just don't have that going forward you can't have that kind of margin going forward 
um, for me. So, or for this team. Um, so kind of moving on then with our pivotal plays, I, I would say, um, you know, continue with Lexi, I, you know, she got her first start today, um, filling in for Sydney, as you, you talked about, and she did get that first rebound. I thought defensively Lexi looked fairly good, you know, especially for her first, her first start, you know, and at 529 in that second quarter, she forced a Purdue turnover. And I thought, can we go ahead finally in this game? But the thing that Lexi really is going to have to figure out, I think going forward to give us good, meaningful minutes is how to con contribute offensively. So instead of, you know, being able to hopefully go up at that point, we go down on the other end and Lexi airballs a, a jump shot, you know, and we've talked about her shooting. And I know you and coach Tonsoni talked about her form on the last one, but there still has to be other ways that she can find to contribute offensively for us. You know, she ended up with no points at all, only took two shots. And so defensively, I think she's doing great, but I think for development going into next year, she's going to have to figure out a way how to, um, contribute more offensively for us because we're really going to need that, especially if Sydney ends up being out for a longer period of time. But any overarching thoughts on Lexi or anything on the defensive end you want to talk about? No, well, as far as Lexi and defense, no, not really. I think you hit the the, the positive points there, but she got 34 minutes. I mean, yeah. I was a little surprised because my gut reaction was with her free throw form, I would have been taking her out. But at this point, who are you putting in? I guess probably my first thought would have been like Lene to, to get Lene in there. And, and, and But again, you're asking a freshman on the road in a, in, a, in a hostile environment, and they're all hostile. I get that. But yeah. your arch rival in a tight game, you know, uh, from that standpoint, I also want to kind of come back and, and I'm not trying to be on the negative side of the show here. I, I just, there were stretches third quarter. Um, I'm going to jump ahead in third quarter. We, we, we go up seven, we go up seven and then we turn it over five straight times and allow Purdue to go on a 10 0 run to take a 54 51 lay. We're up 51 44. And it looked like we were about ready maybe to finally make that move and kind of maybe put them away. And we go five straight turnovers and a missed shot and they go on a 10-0 run, and we're down 54-51 at the end of the third quarter. And, and there's some of those turnovers. Again, I get it. You're you're playing hard. You're you you know the the plays is happening. But there were a couple of those passes just I shook my head about because it was like, mm -hmm. why aren't we making the simple pass? There was one, and actually I think it was more fourth quarter, but it might have been third quarter. They were pressing us, and we had Sarah in the middle of the press, wide open, and all you had to do was get it to her. And Chloe yeah. sails it down the sideline over Lexi about half court. On, and Sarah almost tracked it down in the far corner down by our bench. But all you had to do was hit Sarah in the middle. You didn't have to try and, you know, uh, and, and Lexi was open. But I thought that was a harder pass because your defender is between you and her. Whereas that diagonal pass to the middle to Sarah and, and is really – plus – we always taught get the ball to the middle of the press, get it to the middle, and then you go. And because that way, you know, mm -hmm. most presses are designed to force you side in uh, to the sidelines anyway. So, but yeah, the the that turnover, and then let's, you know, I'll I'll wait for it because we're we, we still got some end game stuff I want to talk about. Right. But yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that third quarter in general, you like you had mentioned, they they let Purdue go on that 10-0 run. And so I kind of talked about that and alluded to we had defenses lapses, not just in the first quarter, but we had that long defensive lapse there in the third quarter to let Purdue go back up. Um, and that was really kind of disappointing to see. Um, and, you know, you know, talking about turnovers, we ended up with 18 on, on the day, which has to be close to a season high for us. But the most disappointing thing to me is that it wasn't like a team 
uh, bug, right? It wasn't like everyone caught the turnover bug. It was really just two players. McKenzie had five and Yarden had eight turnovers. So they had 13 of our 18 just between two the two players there. So I, that's where I was really pretty disappointed. Now, some of them were maybe uh, a little suspect in terms of like when Yarden was going for the ball on the floor and they called her for a, a turnover instead of a jump ball. And, uh, you know, some of McKenzie's, one of McKenzie's travel didn't quite look like a travel, but those were the only two of the 13 to me that didn't look like turnovers or at least potentially being close. So, um, so otherwise, though, you know, Yarden had, I thought, a really great game. If you take her turnovers out of it, she ended up with 17 points on five of nine, actually five of eight from three point and two for three from the line. So overall, I thought Yarden had a nice game. But those turnovers, you know, 13 again from two of your starters could have really ended up biting us in the end as well as the, you know, the lack of defensive rebounds. Um, and I think the defensive rebounding, to be honest, that's a big chunk we've been talking about all year, but it really showed where we're missing Sydney today. Cause she really has been leading the team in rebounds. Um, so any other third quarter, or do you want to kind of talk about how we, the, the fourth quarter and some key moments we had there? Yeah, I'll jump into the fourth quarter here, and I'm going to go, and it really, to me, starts, and I thought this was a huge play um, to, at the 738 mark of the third quarter. Uh, Chloe Moore McNeil kicks it out to McKenzie, and McKenzie drains her first three of the year. Now, we've in the last couple of years, we'd seen McKenzie shooting some threes on a regular basis, maybe not one mm -hmm. a game per se, but she was, you know, she she was out there enough to keep teams honest. And that may be something they have to do a little more of because every time today she got it down the block, Purdue was doubling her. They they were willing to leave right. somebody open in order to make it very tough for Mac to get anything inside. And, and so, but I'd like, so may, maybe some, we see a little more up, but then I came down the floor and Purdue missed a shot and got an offensive rebound um, with that. And I think that offensive rebound, I believe that's the sequence I'm remembering is it went out of bounds. Mm -hmm. And, and then they took a timeout, I think, or there was a, Purdue took a timeout and Mac, you could see it on the camera. And I thought, and I want to say finally, cause we don't, we don't get always see the, the reaction on camera, but you could tell Mac had had enough. She was upset. She was, you know, I should say upset, she but she was, vocal. she was, Ooh. there you go. She was fired up. She was getting after people. And that to me is really the first time I really can see McKenzie in that role. Now she's always been one that's played with some emotion and will be, you know, yeah, let's, you know, the let's go rah, rah type kid. And I have nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that, but this was one of those moments where I felt like that's a Grace Berger moment and, and, and an Allie Patberg moment. And I right. thought that was a, I thought that was huge. Yeah, absolutely. It was. And, and, you know, not long after that, um, at around the 415 mark, you had Chloe Moore McNeil, where we were really struggling to kind of get the ball into where we wanted to on offense. And with just under a second left on that shot clock, Chloe put up another three and, um, drained it and made the score 69 63 and i thought that was really huge and not just for chloe which it ended up being her 20th point and a career high for chloe but i thought it was really huge from a momentum standpoint right it's like you you wanted it felt like purdue was really trying to make that run to get back into it and i thought that was just absolutely until sarah hit that um uh, dagger with a minute left. I thought that three from Chloe Moore McNeil at 4:15 was absolutely pivotal in this game to keep the momentum on Indiana's side going down the stretch. Well, and and I'll go back to that a little bit. Um, 
the Chloe three there and they reviewed that. That's why I want to get into it. They, yeah, they, why, why is that being reviewed? That was so clearly had beat the shot clock, and that's the one you want to review. Come on. That to me, you know, the, right. that, that was a, a pause in the action that they didn't need, need there. But the one thing you'd like to see coming out of this with Chloe is even when Sydney gets back and gets healthy and, and Ari's telling us in the chat in our text, yeah. I'm sorry, not in the chat, but she's telling Ari's telling us our text group that coach Morn in the after, in the post game talked a little bit, didn't say a whole lot, but said that it happened, I guess, on Friday in practice, didn't give any timeline, but kind of got the vibe that it may be a couple of weeks before we see Sydney. Like I said, hopefully maybe by next week, but honestly, we shouldn't need her against mm-hmm. Western. So again, some extra time, but get her ready. Hopefully be back for Maryland because after Northwestern at Simon Scott Assembly Hall next week, you go to Maryland and to Ohio State. So you definitely want Sydney back as healthy as possible for those two. Um, but yeah, I, I was I, I just wanted to chime in about that Chloe Moore yeah. McNeil three and, and how they reviewed. It. I couldn't believe they reviewed it. I didn't um, they again, were a little I don't upset in general with their shot clock uh, interpretations. I guess we can say. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other one, then at the end of the fourth quarter, um, I don't know, maybe part of it was they didn't meet passes. I, that was driving me nuts that last minute, minute and a half on the, where they well, actually the last minute, because Purdue was trying to foul and we had to take it out and we were kind of passing around trying to make them chase, which I get, but mm-hmm. some soft passes and some not meeting the pass, but you know, we turn it over three times in the last 39 seconds of, of game time. Yeah. And, and again, luckily Purdue, yeah, luckily Purdue didn't make us pay for it. So some things to clean up again, I know coach Moore is not even, you know, it's not an a game. I get that, but you still won. That's the most important thing. You're tied in the league, you know, eight games, you know, I believe into the season, um, into the conference season, yeah, seven and one. So it's, a lot of the positives we I don't want to try and make a sense be Debbie down. I just that those have to get cleaned up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, you know, and we have seen kind of our turnovers tick up this year compared to what we've seen the last few years uh, in, in this game. It, again, you know, luckily we were playing um, Purdue, but you do that against an Ohio state. Um, you're going to see another repeat of what we saw in Iowa. I'm afraid, you know, between that and the offensive rebounding. So I think they really, I have this nice week off here and then Northwestern coming up, which we'll talk about later. And this is just kind of a good time, I think, for this team then to kind of step back, watch some film off of this game and figure out how they can clean some of these things up in terms of turnovers and really see how we can do in terms of increasing our rebounds too. So um, well, what do you think, Josh? Shall we move on to some notable numbers? Absolutely. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> All right, why don't you go first? We've already talked quite a bit and hammered some of the negative in terms of turnovers and um, rebounding. So just to kind of you know tie a bow on that, Purdue did out-rebound us by six, 32 to 16, and we ended up with 18 of uh, turnovers compared to their 13, which turned into 13 re- um, points for Purdue. But what kind of numbers from a team perspective do you want to touch, touch on first here? I'm going to go to the three-point shooting. I mean, 15 yeah. of 23, 65%, bailed them out. And for a team that – and we've been here for tw- the two losses and a couple other games that they did win, but especially the two losses, we've been in here talking about how poorly they shot on the road. And today yeah. they go out and it, it helped – you know, obviously the 60, 15 of 23, 65% from beyond the arc, overall 53% from – 
from the field. So they shot it well. They just, again, they had some lapses defensively, especially the first quarter. But they, you know, you you, you look at it across the board here, and it was mainly three people. Because, again, remember, Sid didn't play. So you yeah. had Yarden, Sarah, and Chloe, who combined for 14 of the 15 uh, on 22 attempts. So, you know, those yeah, three were absolutely. basically carrying it. Yeah, and kind of contrary to that, you know, where we really have seen this team um, shining against other teams, paint and Purdue outscored us 30 to 18 in the points in the paint today again didn't need it and obviously the points in the paint are going to be down when you're hitting I believe that was the school record 15 of 23 I'm not sure if it was a 15 made on the road or if it was a 65 percent but it was definitely up there for them so you know not surprising you don't need the points in the paint when you're got 15 three-pointers that you make. Um, so one thing I, I do want to talk about too uh, here in the numbers is two against 13. And that is bench points for us at two and 13 for Purdue. So it's again, another game where we only get a collective 16 minutes from our bench. We ended up with two of our starters, Sarah and Chloe, both playing the entire game. Yarden, um, 36 minutes. Lexi, again, first time start for her. And Kudos playing 34 minutes and McKenzie with 34. But I, at some point, we really just need to figure out how to get better production from our bench. And I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it's hopefully something we can, you know, start filling in a little bit more next year, because I just think two points in 16 minutes collectively off our bench is just eventually going to um, catch up with it with our team, especially come March. But what are your general thoughts in terms of bench play today? Well, you, you're one of your bench players started. You know, so that's going to impact that some. Right. Uh, I thought, I, and, and honestly, I thought Lily played some solid minutes. I really did. Lily had two rebounds. Yeah. In six minutes, she had two rebounds and an assist. And I actually thought maybe she should have had a second assist because I thought one of the passes she had kicked out for a three, and I, they must not have counted it. I thought I would have counted it, but yeah, that's maybe it's a hockey me. assist. Yeah. 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 I, I'm not even sure it was a hockey assist. I think it was more along the line. I think whoever got it took a little extra time lining it up, so they assumed it wasn't an immediate, you know shot but anyway um and then Lene only got four minutes but she had a really nice drive she made that nice drive that was really pretty that was yeah. and 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 so I was a little disappointed um but again we've seen coach Morin from the standpoint that when you get on the road the Big Ten not just this year but in the past and it's competitive it's it's tight she's you know she's going to go very much to her trusted mm -hmm. vets and that's yeah. what she did, you know, basically today um, with that. So, again, I, again, I know we're not in the practice and we're, we shouldn't be trying to tell somebody who's had some, a good run of success at IU, you know, you know, but, you, know you should have done this. But it, I, I do think that the bench, if Sydney's out, they got to find a way to get Jules and Lene more than 10 minutes combined. I, I'd like to see right. them get about 15 minutes combined. Um I know that doesn't sound like a big difference, but that's a little more. And maybe that Northwestern game's a game where we can do that. Hopefully we can, you know, Northwestern's going to come in struggling, knock on wood, um, and, and maybe we can get them th those kids some time. Because she has shown she will play them this year, but it it needs – it's more context where she feels comfortable with a lead or or early in the game as opposed to kind of today where we got down seven on the road, we're going to have to fight back, and we really didn't see much of the bench at all in the second half. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. She, she has, uh, coach Morin has definitely had a, a history of doing that. I just, uh, I'm hoping that we can figure it out going forward in future seasons, but um, any other team numbers, Jeff, that you want to talk about that we haven't touched on already? 
Yeah, and I'm going to go to this one. And sometimes there's a lot of luck involved in the opponent's free throw percentage. But Purdue came in as one of the best free throw shooting teams in the in the in the conference, and they were only nine of 14, 64 percent. So they left a few points at the line. May not have been quite enough to win, but boy, it definitely becomes a one possession game if they hit two or three more threes or two or three more free throws. So I, I'm going to go back to that. And we were seven afraid. We only got eight free throws. But on the road, I'm, I'm again, I can live with that. You only got they only we only got outshot by six free throws on the road in a in a in a, in a road game in a rivalry game i can live with that and we were 87 88 percent so I, our free throws obviously were good today yeah I, I agree and it was nice to see i think what we were 13th in the league in free throw shooting percentage or maybe even 14th coming into this game so it was good 14th. to see and honestly i didn't think um, that there were a lot of fouls not called right like i actually thought other than a few things with the out of bounds and the um, shot clock. I thought the referees actually did pretty, pretty good. Um, I don't have any numbers, but maybe this one four, which is a, a kudos to all of our fans taking, filling up four bus loads of fans coming from Bloomington to go up to this game. So, you know, I, you know, I heard Austin render on the radio talking about how there was quite a few crimson and cream fans there. So really big shout out um, to our, our six, six player of the game. I think our fans that, that made that trek trek up to Mackey. Um, I don't think I have any other team numbers per se, Jeff. Did you have any last ones we haven't touched on? No, not that I think of Kathy. So you want to move on to game ball? Yep. Yep. So with that, we will move on to our game ball. So for all of the folks here with us live or watching later on YouTube, you can see at the bottom of the screen, our our scroll with our homes, uh, excuse me, the count for this year. So McKenzie Holmes has seven, Sarah Scalia, four, uh, Sydney Parrish and Yarden Garzon both have three for all of our game balls for this year. So Jeff, I'll kick it to you first. Um, who would you like to give your game ball to? I think, you know, we have four players in double, double digit scoring. Um, so you, you could look at scoring from a, a different, different ways. Um, but what is, what is your vote? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Sarah here. Um, mainly because she got, she kind of kept us in it early. Um, and then as you pointed out, Kathy, she had the daggers, you know, the layup and, and the three, that fight little mini five Oh run almost literally by Sarah herself. Um, she had four rebounds. She had three assists. Uh, she didn't have a turnover. And, and so I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to cite go a little bit here with Sarah Sky, but obviously you can make the argument for Chloe, especially, and even, and, and even to a certain degree, Yarden and, and, and McKenzie, but the, the, the turnovers really are, are taking me away from those two. Yeah. So um, I think we'll have to then go ahead and give it to our, our workaholics here to, to uh, break our tie because I am going to vote for Chloe. I thought Chloe had the more complete game from start to finish. I, I thought Sarah kind of disapp uh, disappeared us on us a little bit there in that third quarter. Um, but for me, Chloe with her 20 points, which was a career high on three of five three-point shooting, three or three from the line, and kicking in four assists to me, only two turnovers as well, uh, running the point for a good chunk of the game. I thought Chloe, to me, earned that game ball. So um, I'm looking real quick here in what we're seeing coming in from the chat, and quite a few, I think, right now are, are Chloe uh, going for Chloe. So we will give our game ball to Chloe for today. And I think that is her first um, game ball of the year. So congratulations to Chloe on that. 
So Jeff, next up is our Grace Burger Hardest Worker. So again, on the bottom of the screen, we have the scroll with all of our different players. So we've had quite a few different players, which is nice to be able to say that about our, our team. So Sydney Parrish leads the way right now with five, Mackenzie Holmes with four, Chloe Moore McNeil with three, Lexi Bargasser with two, and then Lene Beaumont and Lily Meister each have one. So again, I think you could go a number of just different ways here, Jeff. And honestly, I, I haven't quite decided yet who I'm going to vote for. So I'm still kind of debating in my head between a number of people, but who gets your Grace Berger hardest worker award today? Well, it, it isn't going to matter at this point because we don't double them up, but I'm, I, I by the rules that we have, I'm going to go with Chloe here because I had, I had Sarah for my game ball. So I, I was going to go with Chloe for the hardest worker. So. Yeah. I, I think this one's a lot um, harder for me as well. Um, I, I can, I, I, yeah, if I wouldn't have voted for Chloe for my hardest work, or excuse me, game ball, I would have been for her. Um, I think Sarah as well um, did a lot. Um, but actually, I think I'm going to vote for Mackenzie Holmes in this one. Um, you know, she had 15 points, and a lot of that came in that fourth quarter. But for me, it was her leadership and seeing what she did vocally on and coming into that timeout in the huddle really was what we needed from her stepping up as this fifth-year senior and the absolute leader of the team. So for me, I'm going to vote for McKenzie. So um, this one's a little tougher. We got all of our workaholics all over the place. We have a couple in there for Mac. Um, we have one for uh, Yarden. Um, we have a couple as well for uh, Sarah. So I don't know, Jeff, is it looking to you one way or another? Not yet. <laughs> Me neither. So we'll kind of, <laughs> we'll kind of come back to that and see if we get a clear I, answer. It no, looks no like Sarah Mac, right now. No offense to Mac. I just, I just have a hard time giving it's it the turnovers. To, to, for five turnovers, you know, and, yeah. and, and with that. So that's why, and again, yeah. I was, I had Sarah for the game ball. So that's yep. why I don't go with her, but it, obviously my, since yep. she didn't win the game ball, if I could, I'd go with Sarah here, but because I that's think she, those two between those two, I think it's, you know, where you go for that but yeah we, no, i think so. we'll give it to sarah then there's quite a few um votes in here and you are all absolutely correct with the turnovers it's tough to to vote for mckinsey on that so the, we will give that to sarah making that her second hardest worker of the year award for her um so jeff i think next up on our list then is our uh, mac watch so mckinsey today had 15 points on with six field goals made and four rebounds and two block shots so 15 points now takes her to a total of 2,256 points. She is now only 108 points behind um, first place to take over there. So that means in our remaining 10 games, again, not counting our postseason play, in the remaining 10 games, she only has to average right at around 11 points to overtake um, take Tyra Buss for first place. And I think, Jeff, you kind of calculated out the other day, if she stays on pace around this 15, 20 point margin, that will actually look to be, she could break that in the home Purdue game. So Come, we'll keep it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kathy. Yeah. It was, if she was, she was coming in today. She was averaging 20.2. She points was averaging 20.2. Okay. So she would have to, with that average, and that'll come down slightly today, yep. not much, but that'll come down slightly today. She would have, she was, she's basically in between at that point was in between six and seven games. Um, sixth game would have been the Purdue game at Simon Scott assembly hall. The seventh game would be up at Wisconsin. So yep. she's right kind of on that border. She needs, you know, in real realistically, and it'd probably be hard to do over the next stretch of games. 
except for maybe the Northwestern game, another 25, 30 kind of point outburst where, you know, would really help her and get to that point in the Purdue game. Um, it really would be interesting to see what happens if she does break it in the Purdue game at home. Will they stop the game, you know, and, and make right. a big deal about her or will they wait till the next, or, you know, maybe after the game or would they wait till the next home game? I, I'll be interested to see, because I know a lot of times for us in the high school setting, again, it's totally different. I get that. But in the high school setting, a lot of times when it happened to us or we had a couple of kids who did it, we would kind of talk to a coach and be like, hey, this kid's going to if they get to this, they're going to become a thousand point score. Do you mind if we stop the game real quick? And they were like, no. And I was always like, no, because that, but that's the high school side. This is not, you know, that's not I wasn't a yep. college coach. So be interested to see what they do with it. But go ahead and talk about Mac watch. Yep, no problem. Yeah. So she it would be about 5.4 games from now. She continues averaging right around 20 points. I just calculated it. So um quickly on the rebounding, which was more exciting, I think. Um, right now, uh, she's still in um sixth place with rebounding, but she got her 900th rebound today. So really great accomplishment for her there. And she now only needs 24 more rebounds to take over and jump into the fifth place spot on rebounding. So um, you know, keeping the continue climbing up there as well. So, and also thanks to Brian in the the chat here, he said Mac is on the edge of being only the fourth IU player to average over 17 points a game over her entire career. So um, exciting for McKenzie uh, keeping that up. So Jeff, any other overarching thoughts on today's game? Um, it was very important. As we know, every game is important with this tight big 10 conference, right? Um, race. So, um, really happy to see them pull this one out, obviously, for a lot of reasons, but it's very important in that conference race. Now, real quick, I do want to mention this because I, I I think maybe it was just in the text. I don't know if I posted this on the Substack. Um, she would need to get a lot of games in, but at her current rate, if she can get 18 more games in, which basically means you got to get to the finals of the Big Ten tournament and you got to probably get to the Elite Eight she could catch Calvert Cheney's all-time school record because Calvert Cheney is around 2,600-plus points. But she's going to be, when she's done, barring an injury, knock on wood, she's probably going to end up either as the second or third leading scorer in the history of IU basketball, men or women. Um, between Calvert yeah. Cheney, Steve Alford, she's going to some, fall somewhere in that in that range. So kudos to Mac. Yeah, About today. Hey, you, watch, so congratulations. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> No, you're fine. About today, just kind of my old Al Davis thing, just win. You know, you went out and you got yep. a victory. It wasn't great. It, you know, there's still things you got to clean up. And I'm sure that that is, that is something that Coach Morin is really puzzled about because, again, you've got some veteran players here. These are kids who have been around for a while, four-year player in Chloe, five-year player in Sarah, five-year player in 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 Mac. Um, you know, Yarden is probably the youngest of this group that we, you know, that's, mm -hmm. you know, we're counting on to get us double digits every game. Um, so, but just, you know, the, sometimes they just get a little disconnected, uh, you know, they, they, they get out of focus defensively. And, and today was one of those days, especially in the first quarter, but again, just get a win right now. You just want to win, stay, stay right there in the league race and give yourself a chance. You know, this is, it, it'll be very interesting. I think if they can get through that Maryland and Ohio state stretch where they've only, they only lose one of those two, you set yourself up for a nice run to when Iowa comes back to Assembly Hall to be playing yeah. for a chance to win a share or outright win the Big Ten. Yep, just one game at a time and keep winning. So, well, with that, let's go ahead and talk about our upcoming games. So, as Jeff and I have already mentioned a couple of times, the women are off now all week. They don't play again until next Sunday, January 28th. 
Um, they will be back home. This time, Northwestern comes to town. That game will tip off early at noon Eastern and 11 Central, and it will be back on Big Ten Plus. Um, Northwestern is currently number 222 in the net rankings. And um, I believe they are, yeah, they are 12th in the Big Ten. So they, uh, Indiana leads the all-time series 41-39. So historically, it's been fairly even. Um, we did win the last matchup in Evanston, which was on January 8th of last year, 72-50. to And we've won the last three in a row. So Northwestern, I'll talk about them and then kick it over to you, Jeff, to do kind of more of the team and player stats. But in terms of records, uh, Northwestern will come to town with a 7-11 and 11 record and only 2-5 and five in conference. Um, they will have one game in between now and then playing Penn State on Thursday. Um, they don't really have any notable wins of their seven wins that they have um, per se, but in terms uh, other than they do have a win against Temple, who is 110th in the net right now. Now, um, in Philadelphia, 72-68. Rutgers at, is 163 in, in the net, and they won that 77-70 at home. And the D did beat Wisconsin, who is 124th in the net, 74-69 in Madison. But that 110 ranking of Temple is their best win of the year. So no one above the top 100 in the net. So, Jeff, why don't you talk about um, kind of some of the statistics, both from a team and individual that we have seen from Northwestern this year? Yeah, and this is a program that just a few years ago was battling for to be a top seed in the Big Ten tournament and was right there in, you know, in the mix of winning the league. Um, it's really fallen off for them. Their head coach, Joe McCown, been there since 2008. Um, he ranks fourth in wins among active coaches. Being there since 2008, he's probably second to Lisa Bluter, I would imagine, in being in, in the, the list. I can't imagine anybody else. I can't think of anybody else in the Big Ten who's been anyplace longer. And it's got me thinking a little mm -hmm. bit. Terry Moran's got to be close to being third in, in length. I, I got, I'd have to go back. I think maybe McGuff has been, a, a, has been at uh, Ohio State maybe just a year or so <laughs> longer. But, you know, there's been a lot of turnover when you think about the Big Ten coaches, you know, at some of the prominent programs. Oh, I forgot about um, Brenda Fries. Brenda Fries would be Brenda another Fries. one. Who's, yeah, I was yeah. going to ask about her. Yeah. Brenda Fries has been around for a while. So McCown may be third on that list. Um, they they average 68 points a game, which is 13th in the league. They give up 81 a game, which is last. Um, they only shoot 42% for the field, which is 13th. Uh, they do shoot the three pretty decently, 36%, which is fifth in the league. But they're 14th in the league in three-point field goal defense. They give up 37% from deep against other teams. They're first in the league at, at the free throw line, 79%. They're minus 0. 0.5 in turnover ratio. Or excuse me, they're minus five. Sorry, I missed. I thought it was a point. Minus five on turnover margin, which makes them last. They're minus 1.6 on rebounding margin, which makes them 13th. Uh, so again, it's just a struggle right now for the Wildcats They they from where they've been a few years ago. Uh, Kaylee Walsh, 6'3", junior, averages 13 a game. That puts her 22nd in the league. She's averaging six, just under six rebounds, which is 22nd as well. She started 16 of their 18 games. Melanie Daly, 5'11", junior, 13 points a game, 49% from the field, which is ninth. Um, Haley Weaver, a 5'11 junior, 10 points a game. Um, there are other two starters that, you know, that you'll keep an eye on are Paige Mott, uh, eight points a game, five and a half rebounds, and Caroline Lau at seven points and six assists. And the six assists for Lau puts her second in the league. But again, this is one of those, again, you're probably not going to, may not have Sid based on what we're hearing out of the post game, mm -hmm. but we should on not just ranking on paper 
everything. This is a game we should still be able to win, and it's one of those you'd like to get a decent win where you can maybe set some of those starters. Um, Brian asked a question in the chat or in the workaholics here about how you handle the week. Generally, Terry Moran's going to give them tomorrow off the floor. Generally, from talking with Grace Berger and a couple of the other players that we've had on in the past, they tend to watch film the day after. Now, they may get into Cook Hall on their own, which I would imagine a lot of them, if not all of them, will, but they won't have an organized up and down. Um, she might give them another day this week just because they don't play till Sunday. But generally, what I would imagine Terry Moran would do is they'll probably practice every day, but they might back off how long they go and the intensity that they go since they have an extra, you know, a couple extra days to prepare for Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this this game probably comes as a, a good time for them, especially with Sydney being hurt. Um you know, I, I again, no team do I want to overlook, but this should be a, a game that we win. But I also hope that the team isn't overlooking them. You know, it, it, we want to hopefully maybe see where we can improve some of our rebounding with the rebounding margin for Northwestern only being at 13th, um, you know, up that defensive, um, you know, um, efficiency for us as well. And I, I expect another big shooting night from us as well with, you know, 14th in the league for Northwestern and their three-point um, defense. Um, so my kind of key to the game, I think, is, you know, just really kind of doing a tune-up here. And maybe we get some of our rests for our starters, maybe a little deeper in the bench. I would like to see us tune up our rebounding um, again. Northwestern's not a good defensive team, so I'd like to get back to a lower, you know, 10 or less in terms of turnovers and just keep Northwestern off the line. You know, they shoot 79% free throws. So keep them off the line. And those are some of the things I'm going to be kind of looking for, but Jeff, what are kind of the keys of the games or thing you're going to be looking for? Fast start. I want to see us come out with a little yeah. bit of a fast start in this game. Get out on top of them because I think Northwestern is kind of one of those programs right now where if you, you where they know they're playing uphill, they know they're playing one of the best teams in the country. If you get out to a fast start on them, they may just be like, here it goes again. I'm not saying they're going to roll yeah. over. I'm not saying they're just going to quit. But, you know, when you've been in that situation and, and if you've been an athlete, you've probably been in that situation before where sometimes you're just not very good. And it's, it's like, OK, here it goes. Um, but if you let them hang around into the second quarter, third quarter, right. now all of a sudden, I'm not saying confidence. we lose. But you don't want to give them hope. And, and so I, I'm looking for a fast start. I also want to see them cut the turnovers down. They've got to get the yeah. turnovers back down to that 11 or 12 that Terry Moore wants to see. Yep, absolutely. Um, anything else you want to talk about with the Northwestern game? No, just hopefully a good crowd. Obviously, Northwestern is not a marquee opponent, but it is a Sunday. So hopefully there will be a good crowd there to Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Yeah, hope so too. So um, I'm not going to kind of update the IU by the numbers. Um, we, maybe we will do that on Wednesday when Jeff and I do have a midweek podcast during the off week. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what happened around the Big Ten today and yesterday and today. So yesterday, um, Illinois and Maryland played at Maryland. Maryland won that game 90 to 82. Um, yesterday as well, Michigan State went up to Minnesota and lost 50 to 69. So that one was a little surprise for me. I, you know, Minnesota must have really after that game against us um, turned some things on. But I thought Michigan State with the way they've been playing might have done uh, had made that a little bit more of a game. Um, the big one, though, obviously, was earlier today, right before we tipped off. Iowa was at Ohio State. That went into overtime, or Ohio State came back in that fourth quarter and tied it up and um, ended up beating Iowa 92 to 100. And so 
again, from a, a standings and conference, that was really a huge um, win for Ohio State today. So as I mentioned, we are now tied for first again with Iowa. Ohio State is just behind us at a half a game behind. And then Nebraska is in fourth place, two games out of first place. Um, the other game today was Nebraska at Penn State. Nebraska ended up losing that game, 72-82. And then the last one we recommend kind of keeping an eye on is Maryland going up to Michigan, and that game will be on Wednesday this week. Any thoughts on um, happenings around the Big Ten? I think, again, the big big game today was that Iowa-Ohio State game. No, except that the Big Ten is just becoming a jumbled mess at the you know once you get down yes. past the top three. Um, because now yeah. you come in today, you have b- b- virtually a three-way tie. Ohio State and and yeah. I didn't update, but I use obviously seven and one here. Uh, but Ohio State's mm-hmm. a half game back at six and one, so they've got to play a little catch up. IU and Iowa probably both maybe on a bye this week, then you know, kind of with a little bit of a buy, maybe not play till next week. Um, based on where they are in terms of overall conference games. Nebraska falls back to five and three. They'll be technically in a tie there with fourth, you know, with some, you know, mm-hmm. and so, but right now you got a mess with three, you know, teams with three, four, yeah. five four losses. Teams two and a half out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and keep an eye on Penn State a little bit. They, they have gotten it a little bit healthier. Owuzu and, and, and Maurice are back. Um, I'm not sure. I'm still not quite sure that even with those two, they're ba- capable of beating the top three teams in the league, but very well may end up in that again, because they get lost a couple games early, they may end up in a five or six seed and you may not exactly want to see them on Friday in the, in the big 10 tournament, but because I think on a given day, they probably can compete, but I, you know, I just don't know if they can make that run to go past any of the top three, but they're, they're, they're now that they got the, all the pistons firing, they'll, they're going to give some teams some trouble, especially in happy Valley. So, um, but right now, I think, Kathy, kind of what we thought where we'd be, though. We were 7-1 and one through eight games. I think everybody kind of thought the game in Iowa City would be the one loss you have through this stretch. Now you got to beat Northwestern yeah. because now – then you go to that two-road game stretch. And we I remember us talking about this in the preseason that when we're kind of doing the prediction uh, podcast that this stretch – there were some people who, like, could be very well 0-2 on this stretch. I had us being 1-1. One and one, um, and mm-hmm. losing I had us 0-2, yeah. So this is going to be an important stretch from that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I did have us losing both at Maryland and at Ohio State. So those uh, games come up right after Northwestern on the 31st and then at Ohio State on Sunday, February 4th. So, um, Jeff, how about you kind of wrap up this game and what your final thoughts are? Then we'll play a little Bob Thompson music. And then my husband is joining me upstairs and we'll do that home field giveaway. Oh, you're on mute again. I put it on mute so I don't over talk. Um, I just want to thank everybody who's been with us on the podcast for the for the last you know two and a half plus years, almost three full seasons now, and and everybody at the Back Home Network and and Jared especially with Assembly Call kind of got us help get us rolling, but especially our our workaholic fans here who watch us here on YouTube or listen to us on their favorite podcast feed. Um, just you know, really kudos to all of you for for being there and kind of growing along with us. You know, we've had some growing pains. You know, we're we're still kind of. <laughs> figuring this out as we go along um like remembering to unmute yourself um so but yeah i just again i'll take a win over purdue anytime and if you would have told me 10 years ago 15 years ago 
that IU women would be 10 and, you know, win 10 in a row against Purdue women, I would have looked at you and wondered what you were smoking because the, the, where the two programs <laughs> are right now compared to where they were then is night and day. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. You know, I wouldn't have ever thought that um, it would have flip-flopped so, so, so far, I guess, have such a difference, you know, 10 wins in a row over your, any team really, to be honest, but especially over your, your own rival, you know, that means for five years straight now we've um, beat Purdue. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming we played them twice in all those five um, for those 10 wins. So I guess not quite, we have another game this year, but anyway, it's a long win streak. And so it's really fantastic to see. And it always brings me great pleasure um, uh, beating oh, Purdue and yeah. Absolutely. So just, you know, really a, a gutty win. I think from this team, they, you know, missing Sydney is a big loss to the team and I, they really overcame it. You know, we had again, four starters scoring, stepping up and um, scoring double digits. I know Lexi did not score, but her 34 minutes coming in for her first start was really key to the game. So I, I just thought they really collectively um, played really well today in terms of, you know, writing some of the things that the first quarter we didn't see uh, was at their best game no but they righted righted it and they got the win and you know, you're on the road in a very hostile environment that's all we can expect so for me very happy so with that let's hit some bob thompson music and then we'll see uh, what sean has here for our our giveaway I wish I had some drum roll right. music. I was I was actually trying to find some free music to put in here. I wish I had some drum roll. I'll try to do it. So Kathy, when you're ready, give me a little heads yes. up. And I'll try and do a little drum roll. All right. Well, we're all ready. We got um, the the list. So here, in case you're wondering, if you were chatting about the basketball related today, you got one entry in the chat. Um, my husband was keeping track in a spreadsheet. He did it completely random. Um, even though you might not believe it with whoever, uh, with the winner here, but yeah, with Jeff, Jeff, you can, if you got a drum roll, let's do it. I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. Perfect. And with that, um, Eagle Eye, one of our longest and most yeah! active chat members is the winner for us. So Eagle Eye, I will drop Jared, um, his email in the, the chat here, go out to homefieldapparel.com and you can, Pick anything you want and then just email that to Jared. There is absolutely no um, actual <laughs> um, restriction on dollar amount. So I'm not quite sure if you have a bomber jacket or not, but that might be something to look at. <laughs> I'm just saying that that uh, I have one and I love it. So um, yeah, just email that to, um, to Jared at assemblycall.com. I dropped it here in the chat. So congratulations to Eagle Eye. Um, and thank you all really for joining us today. I wish we could have given all of you something to home field. They make great stuff and um, really appreciate you all being here, um, especially for our 100th. It's been uh, quite a bit. And obviously, if you're not here, Jeff and I aren't doing this. So we would have gotten to, you know, episode three. No one joins us. And well, then just forget it because Jeff and I can talk text each other. So i <laughs> um, really happy to be able to come on here with you guys after every game um, and, you know, in the in between as well. So speaking of that, um, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Congratulations again to Eagle Eye. Thanks to, again, all of you for being here. Up next, 
we will have our now 101th episode, 101st episode on Wednesday, January 24th. Um, we'll kind of talk again about some high-level conference things that we're seeing, um, maybe some overarching themes we're seeing from the team. Um, if you have questions, please send us a, a DM out on our Twitter account and doing the work. Or if you're in Substack, you can just drop it there in a chat anywhere or whatever you can do to get a hold of us. And we'll try to answer some questions on Wednesday as well, if you have any. So um, if you do want to see us do that show live next time and be part of our live chat, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at back home network. That's the at symbol back home network. You can be part of our private community as well. Find out more if you're not already at assemblycall.substack.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logos. And also a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you heard throughout the broadcast. But most of all, thank you all for listening today. Um, I'm just going to look how many people did we end up entered here, Sean? We had 34 people that ended up chatting along with us today and entered in that drawing. So really a great showing and a lot more um, even just listening out there. But again, thank you all for, for being here and listening. And we will talk hoops with you again on Wednesday. But until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. All right. All right. Hey, congrats, well, good. Eagle Eye. What a great way to do the weekend. Yeah. yeah and well, Eagle Eye, he's one of our most active people in the chat. So that seemed rather quite fitting. So good job. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. For, and for and Mel, 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 Melon, Melon, I don't know how you say it, but Melon44, yeah. who says that, they ought to, that Eagle Eye should get the uh, the oval sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> because I Jerry would that. like that. Jared would just love it. Yeah, he loves that oval IU. So yeah, number of people here in the chat. I know we were up to around 100 at one point yeah. um, watching. And then, like I said, what did you say? 34 people? Yeah, yeah 34 people amazing. active and participating in the chat today. So really, really love that kind of um, things. A bison bomber. I'm not sure if that exists, Quang, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bomber jacket. And so Eagle Eye, if you don't have one already, I would really highly recommend it. It's really kind of, yeah, they're quite cool. So, yeah. well, good, good way to end the weekend, everyone. Yep. Thanks again for joining us. And Jeff, anything else on your mind today? Nope. Good job out of Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, good job, Ohio State. Just look forward to seeing everybody back in here on, on Wednesday for Doing the Work Radio. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, with that, I guess we'll call it a Sunday and everyone have a great um, rest of your weekend and a good week ahead. Take care. See you guys.